Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is doing what she does best. As a young girl, she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now, listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open. I am excited to welcome Sam. Uh, Rednick to the call. His middle initial is X, which I'm later going to ask him what that stands for. Um, it's really an honor to have him today talking about the myth, I can't save money. Uh, before we welcome Sam to the call, let me tell you a little bit about his background. Um, I was fortunate uh, to meet him recently and love the work that he's up to. Um, Sam Rennick is the driving force behind It's a Habit Company and Sammy Rabbit. The company is dedicated to improving children's financial literacy and empowering kids through development of great habits and strategic life skills. Sam has read and sung off key with over a quarter million children around the world, encouraging them to get in the habit of saving money and reading. His firm has won various awards across uh, its lifespan, and um, he's just really up to some wonderful creative work in the financial literacy space. So welcome, Sam, to the call. Oh, Kathleen, uh, thank you for having me. It's a Sammy-rific honor. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sammy, <laughs> um, I always want to call you Sammy, but Sam, um, I don't know, the X, do we want to disclose what the middle initial is, or do you want to keep it mysterious for the crowd? Well, you know, Kathleen, that is the question I've been asked the most probably in my entire life. What does the X stand for? And uh, my father has passed away. I know it would make him... Uh, really happy. He and my mother uh, gave me the middle name X. So it doesn't stand for anything. My middle name is X and they thought, uh, you know, it'd be cool and it might be a conversation piece. And they were really uh, foresighted in that uh, regard because it has been. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, in honor of your dad, I'm glad uh, that we uh, I called it out, uh, even though it's predictable. Um, so let's get to your um, money myth that you're bringing to the call today. Um, and I know some of the work um, that you've done was inspired by your dad. So it's kind of fitting that we're starting this way. The myth that we're going to explore on Breaking Money Silence today is I can't save money. So tell me a little bit, Sam, what motivated you to pick this myth? Well, my main message and topic for children and for families, because when you're talking uh, to kids, usually you're also talking to parents or teachers or the gatekeepers for kids. Our main message is saving is a great habit. In fact, I've written extensively on this, that if there's only one thing you're going to teach your child or student about money, I believe the most important thing you can teach them is to make a habit of saving money. 
And what I've discovered, I've been fortunate enough to travel to eight different countries and nearly 40 states uh, sharing our message on great money habits, is that sometimes teachers or parents will undermine students' confidence and ability to save by predetermining that they're not able to save for a variety of reasons, and one usually being economics, that they just think, well, these children are, are poor and they can't save, that's one category, or their kids, uh, it isn't really important for them to save if they, you know, from a perception standpoint, may have the, the, the means. What's unfortunate about that is, is several things. One is a lot of the current research now reflects that adult money habits are set by the age of seven. So that may surprise and, and startle some people, but I think that the more you think about that particular research, the more you realize it's probably on the money. There's separate research related to kids and learning that indicates kids begin learning in the womb somewhere around month seven, and it usually begins with sounds and language from a mom. And uh, so there's this conversation that's going on uh, for maybe as early as month seven in the womb till age seven and beyond. It's a lifetime conversation we have internally with ourselves, the things we say to ourselves, and then the things we say to other people, including our our children about money and it's not always directly about money using the the term money but it may be about things that infer or imply feelings or emotions toward uh, money and all these shape the way kids uh, think about it and even adults and what I, I think is really devastating is when you start off with the idea that you can't do something because that cuts off just an immense amount of possibilities. Absolutely. When you think about... Absolutely. Oh, sorry, I want to jump right in here, Sam, just a minute, because I, I don't want to let the fact go about... Um, and, and this came up when I interviewed you for my upcoming book, Breaking Money Silence. The idea that there is this message out there that adults send, and I'm sure they're well-intended adults, but that send that say they that a kid who has a certain economic status um, can't save money... Uh, is really upsetting to me. And so can you give me a story or give me an example of how you've seen that come up in the work that you've been doing? So people who are surprised by like that, but which I initially was very surprised, um, can understand it a little bit more? Well, Kathleen, first let me say, I'm happy it upsets you because it infuriates me as well. <laughs> yeah. Especially, yeah. Especially growing up with limited resources now, you know, we never wanted or lacked for anything that I'll say we needed, <laughs> but we, we, we didn't really have any discretionary income. But, you know, the, the type of thinking that says things are possible and you can do things if you work hard and set goals and plan, that was instilled uh, in myself at an early age, which is why I feel very strongly about this. I run into this at schools from time to time. We've read and sang off key, as I like to say. Uh, with kids uh, all over the United States and many of them in poor areas. And sometimes you meet a certain resistance within the schools themselves from the educators 
and they indicate a, a few things. One is is these kids, uh, you know, their parents don't, uh, ha they have very limited resources, so they're not uh, able or capable of uh, saving, and or sometimes they'll share that, oh, saving, that's a, that's a value issue. We don't want to teach or talk about that in, uh, in school. And the reality is there's a conversation going on, whether it's cognizant or not, conscious or not, between parents and kids on money and teachers and kids on money. Money is ubiquitous. Money may not be everything, but everything relates to or translates into money, including, you know, the energy we use. So, you know, if, if there's lighting in classrooms, if there's books in classrooms, the quality of teaching in classrooms, all these things in, involve uh, money, whether or not classrooms are heated or air conditioned, uh, whether or not you're provided lunch or not provided lunch. Uh, there are a lot of money issues, and I believe, and, and research I think supports this, it's something I've never forgotten. The first time I went to read at an elementary school, I believe I was reading the second or third graders, and we were reading from a storyboard at the time, and the principal pulled me aside after the uh, reading, and she really enjoyed it. And then she shared with me an insight that has just stuck with me for the last uh, 16 years. And she said, Sam, kids' minds are like sponges. They can absorb information uh, much greater than what parents and sometimes even teachers uh, give them credit for. She says, Never underestimate the ability of a, a child to grasp even a difficult concept. She said, if you can communicate it, they can get it. And so we've kind of operated from that uh, principle ever since that, uh, you know, if we can explain these ideas, we take charge of them, conscious charge of them, like the saving is a great habit uh, message and give it to kids. Uh, that's the first step. They need to know what the right thing uh, to do is whether they're able to do it or not, leave that to them to decide. You know, you see this all the time, especially in the United States. You have people coming from all over the world, and some of them come here with absolutely nothing, and they find work, and then they find ways to scrimp and save. They're very creative and resourceful. And within one year, three years, five years, seven years, all of a sudden they own a business or they own a home. And you're like, boy, my goodness, how did they do that? So and really, so, so really yeah. this, this, you know, what comes to mind for me is <clears throat> thinking about a, a teacher or someone who is working with, well, you know, uh, kids um, and has the belief that, you know, they can't save money because they come from a certain economic standpoint. And, and time and time again, it's been proven wrong that it's really how you think and uh, even if you study like performance and behavioral change, it's really about how you think. And this mantra that you have about saving is a great habit is certainly a foundational one that's so important for a lot of um, <coughs> people and, and people of all ages uh, to understand. I just, I happen to think that maybe that's the money mindset of the teacher, um, but you're coming in and really challenging that and saying, no, we can really um, set some some foundations here about saving is a great habit. And that, you know, it, it's interesting to me because I've worked also with the 
complete opposite economic status, um, where when you have incredibly affluent children in an incredibly affluent school, um, saving is a good habit may also be a really great mantra for them because for other reasons. So um, it sounds like you picked this myth because primarily, initially, because of the um, bias that there can be in turn of certain economic groups, but then realizing, wait a second, the work that I've done in a variety of, uh, what did you say, 40 states and eight countries, um, you've proved that this uh, myth can be busted. So is there any way in which having this myth, I can't save money, um, can actually be helpful? Like, is there any way in which these teachers who believe kids can't save money, that there might be a little ounce of, I don't know, something that would be helpful for those kids in that myth? You know, before I address that, there is one other thing that comes up quite frequently. This is more from adults, and it's the idea that uh, they shouldn't save because uh, interest rates are too low. And so there, there's a lot of uh, that that is out there. And you use some language that really resonates with me. I think saving is foundational. I think a person really wants to think about what saving does besides pay interest, whether it's a low percentage or a high percentage. And what saving does that, in my mind, is so powerful and foundational is, is, it, is it builds discipline. It helps teach to delay gratification. It teaches one to set goals. It, it provides time to think about spending uh, and, and, and spending choices, and, and, and thus it, it protects you against sport poor spending uh, decisions. Obviously, it protects against emergencies and helps create uh, security. Uh, one of the things I talk to kids about is, is it, it better prepares you and positions you to get what you want and what you need when, when you want and, and need it. And of course, it better prepares and positions you to help and give to others, as well as to be ready for opportunities you know, it prepares you to own, for home ownership, for business ownership, or even uh, to be a, a better investor, or take advantage of unexpected opportunities. You know, it builds independence and, and freedom and, you know, it reduces stress and creates uh, a peace of mind. And it also provides a luxury to be able to save more by ma making uh, purchases more smartly you know, maybe potentially in, in bulk. I saw a very interesting study related to toilet paper. You know, that's something that everybody consumes. And what the study uh, showed was that, you know, if you have relatively few resources, you know, you may buy just one or four rolls. But if you, if you have more, you may purchase, you know, 12 or 24. And so there, are, you know, there are savings. That's a different type of savings. But there are savings re related to that. So saving, in my mind, it's very foundational. It's very empowering. And then, yes, of course, if you can, you know, earn some interest in addition to that, that's that's even better. Right. Uh, <laughs> you so, know, it, so, so it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like if, if someone has the myth, I can't save money, then they're getting in the way of teaching kids or teaching themselves how to delay gratification, how to be mindful about money. Um, in some instances, how to make money work for them, emergency funds. There's there's all sorts of great lessons that can be learned simply by practicing 
um, that saving is a good habit. And what I like about the way you reframe this to saving is a good habit is you're not putting a label on the person. It's not like saving makes you a good person or not saving makes you a bad person. It's that saving is a good habit is kind of a, a fact. It's a foundational fact. And it sounds like it really impacts um, the children that you're working with and the parents that you're working with. And my guess is also the teachers. Um, to get back to that initial question of, is there any way in which this myth could be helpful? Because the reason I ask that, Sam, is I ask everybody, every time that there's a myth out there, there's usually a little ounce of something in it that is either a truth or it's something that's helpful. So what I'm wondering is with the myth, I can't save money. I wonder if those teachers, when they're they're looking at the kids and being like, oh, they can't save money because they don't have a lot of resources, if that little way in which they're trying to help, even though it's gonna backfire, is the idea that we don't want them to set we don't want to set them up to feel bad. Now, I know it's not true. They can save money. I mean, you know, you can save a penny. You can save um, in a lot of different ways. Um, but I wonder if that's the piece of it that's trying to be helpful to, you know, not disappoint the kids or let them down or make them feel bad about their economic status. What do you think? Okay, I think there's some truth to what you're sharing. Uh, you hit on something earlier you know, and this is related to, I'm assuming everyone's intention is good. And so uh, I'm sure they're doing it probably for the reason you're sharing. It's that and what I would also say, you know, they really haven't, pro probably haven't spent as much time thinking about this issue as, say, someone like myself who, who, who thrives on it. So I, I, I think what you just shared probably is going to explain uh, a lot of why they may think that. Plus, as I said, they may just be generally misinformed mm -hmm. or, or underinformed related to the benefits of saving. Now, having said that, the fact that whether your intentions are good or bad, the consequences of information that is inaccurate, the, the, the outcomes are going to be the same. So, I think we have to separate ourselves from this. We don't want them to feel bad and focus on what is the right information that is going to empower these kids, whether they're able to do it or not is a separate question. They need to have the information and then within themselves, they need to find whether they have the desire, the fire, the determination to be able to do it. Now, what I can share with you is, is, I receive letters all the time from uh, children saying, you know what, after you came and talked with us at recess, I started finding pennies and I put them in my pocket. I took them home. I put them in my piggy bank, various mm -hmm. things. And so it starts affecting what you, this word you've mentioned, which is one that I'm really interested in, these kids' mindsets. They, they may not, they may have never heard the word save or saving they may not even know in first grade or second grade or third grade that that is an option uh, it's not only their parents but it's the environment and the system probably 99.5 percent of the messages we receive related to money are related to consumption you know as opposed to saving now i will say look on the other side of this and, and i haven't given this a lot of thought so it, it's a it's an interesting question I don't think this really applies to younger children, but I think, you know, there are le levels 
uh, as it relates to money, you know, as it would to a video game. So once you're saving, you, you might get in a pattern where, yes, maybe you're saving too much, not in a hoarding way, but in a way that really maybe some of the money you're saving should be invested. And now you should start looking at where uh, am I going to get the right return so I can uh, retire properly and things of this uh, of this nature. So saving has a purpose, but it's not the be all end all. But for children, it's absolutely you know foundational. So what advice do you want to give the listeners to this podcast, uh, maybe a, a tip or two about what they can do to positively impact uh, young people? Um, so we're all working together to kind of chip away at the idea that um, saving is a good habit and it's a really great thing to communicate to kids no matter where they live, no matter what situation that they're in. Well, the first thing I would encourage them is to wake up <laughs> and I, I understand that this, whether they're actively and consciously involved in the conversation, it is going on. As the principal pointed out to me, kids are picking up on the, on the messages at home, at school, uh, everywhere. So you can do yourself and you can do them a big favor by defining what your money philosophy is and just breaking it into short sentences. I like to call them slogans. Sammy Rabbit has a, a lot of slogans like saving is a great habit from every dollar, save a dime, uh, spend slow, spend smart, give wisely, uh, earning money is fun to do. And, you know, in any mastery or education, repetition is you know, very important. So, you know, have those slogans, use them frequently, uh, then build around them. I'm very big on reading. So we've created storybooks. We, Sammy Rabbit has a couple, Sammy's big dream and it's a habit, Sammy Rabbit. There's a lot of other great ones out there. Like Alexander used to be rich last week. Uh, trying to think another one of my favorites. Oh boy, the title escapes me, but it's a great story about well, a rabbit and a bear but well i want to encourage like people to definitely i mean i think when you're talking about what advice would you give i think that the bottom line for today and unfortunately we're almost out of time but the bottom line for today is really to um think about what is your money philosophy what are the mantras you want to um repeat over and over again and i know you sam are nice enough um to offer our listeners a free reef resource that they can take advantage of. So you've done some of the work for them. Um, so can you tell the listeners a little bit about how they can access um, that free resource and also how they can find out more about all the creative things that you're doing? Uh, and trust me, anybody who's listening in, I've, I've seen a lot of the different uh, uh, creative ways in which uh, Sam and his company are communicating with children around financial literacy, and it's really great stuff. Uh, yes, thank you, Kathleen. Uh, Google search Sammy Rabbit or come to SammyRabbit.com. That's S-A-M-M-Y-R-A-B-I-T.com. Uh, click on products and you'll find several free resources you can download. Uh, we uh, have a storybook that you can read in color. We have our uh, slogans product. All of these things will make it, uh, and then we also have music, will make it very easy uh for you to start meaningful conversations with your kids or students, and then you can build and shape them in the way uh, you want to. 
And if somebody wanted to find out how to bring you into their school or bring the resources into their school or to, or, you know, even their girl or Boy Scout club, what are the ways in which they can reach out to have a conversation with you about that? Well, if they come to SammyRabbit.com, there's a contact button there. Uh, click that contact button and uh, send us a message uh, stating exactly uh, what you just said. Uh, we love uh, doing appearances. We love uh, providing our uh, resources. You just mentioned the Girl Scouts. I have a meeting coming up with them uh, next week. They love to sing. So, uh, you know, they love the Sammy Rabbit uh, songs and activities, like Get in the Habit. Check that. So I really recommend uh, parents and teachers check that song out. It's a free resource on our site. Get in the habit. It is contagious, easy for kids to follow. Everyone will love it. Well, I want to thank you for your time today, Sam. It's always so fun. I always feel like I giggle and have a fun time. And um, and I've always said for years before I met you that I thought financial literacy could be fun. And now that I know about you and Sammy the Rabbit and all the resources that you have, you've kind of brought that vision to life uh, in a great way for young kids and for parents of young kids and and for teachers. So thank you so much for the work that you do and for taking time today to be on Breaking Money Silence. I really appreciate it. Kathleen, you're welcome. Thank you. Have a semi-rific day. You too. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at breakingmoneysilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to kbkwealthconnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.